0: Be in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. Philippians chapter 2. Good to see everybody here. It's kind of leaning left today. Uh, not sure what that means, but Philippians chapter 2. Had a good start to the day this morning. Thank you all so much for being here and uh, excited about what the Lord has for us today. It's always good to hear. um, uh, I always enjoy having missionaries into the church for us to see the needs across the world. We have focused in this year, our theme with Love Thy Neighbor has really been focusing in on our community. Uh, We have, as a church since 2014, we've always had a global mindset. And as we were praying about the theme for 2014, and what is this, 20? Uh, we, uh, as we were praying about the theme, the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart about, you've talked a lot about global, we haven't talked a lot about local. And so this year our focus has really been on on local, but it doesn't mean we're ignoring the global either. And I really feel like any time that we can have a missionary come in and share their burden for different places across the globe, it can remind us, it can encourage us, it can challenge us to be faithful in praying for... Uh, Not only the people in which they are going to but also for God to send more more laborers Whether it be us or someone else and that God would use us to send people uh, Throughout the world as well. And so it's always a joy to have missionaries with us and Nick We do thank you and your wife for being with us today Philippians chapter 2. Let's look we're going to look at verses 12 through 18 today Philippians chapter 2 verses 12 through 18. So let's begin Reading in verse number 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We're going to come back to that verse because that one gets taken out of context and gets used incorrectly often. Verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among you, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the faith of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I, may, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Me Today I have eight points, but we're going to go through them quickly Eight points and really we're just kind of going to walk through these verses this morning and looking at a couple of things here that I believe the Lord has for us Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for letting us come this morning God, we thank you that you are sending the Zarellas to Japan And God, I pray that we would be faithful, not only in prayer, but in sending uh, and, and if you've called us to go as well God, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we'd be faithful in fulfilling the great commission. God, now as we turn our attention to Philippians chapter 2, I pray that you'd help us this morning. We would be encouraged by the things that you'd have us be encouraged by, that would be challenged by the things that you would have us be challenged by. God, I pray that you'd help me to present these verses clearly and correctly. God, help us to understand them. Help us to apply them to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here the letter that is written to the Church of Philippi, and we've been walking through uh, this part. We looked at the introduction in our first, first week. We looked at the rest of chapter 1, then into chapter 2 last week, and now here we are at this place where, where Paul here, in his writing to the Church of Philippi, brings up some important things. Now, remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the church. Um, we can argue, I believe, uh, uh, effectively that he's, he's talking to Christians. Not, not everybody that attends church is a Christian, obviously, but uh, when you're writing to the church, that's kind of the focal point, is the Christians among the church here in Philippi. We know that Paul loves the people at the church of Philippi. As a matter of fact, he goes into that in this passage, but also in the rest of chapter 2. As a matter of fact, in verse 19, he talks about that he's going to send Timothy to come unto them, and, and he wants to come himself, it's just not something he's able to do at the time. And so he's going to send Timothy, and he talks about uh, others as well, uh, that he's going to send in verse 25, Epaphroditus. But uh, nonetheless, we see here that Paul has a love for this church. So um, the reason why I mention this is to remember the heartbeat here of, of, that Paul has as he's writing to the church, and this is inspired by the Lord as it's recorded for us in Scripture, And so you see the burden or the love and the compassion and the true desire that is had here that the people who are reading this letter take something from it, that they're encouraged by it, that they're challenged by it, that they learn something so that they can apply it to their lives and be better, be more of what Christ wants them to be. So let's start in verse number 12 uh, with point number one, and that is active Christianity. Here it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So Paul is saying, you've been an obedient church uh, to God, not to Paul. Obedient church. You've served faithfully. You've done what God's desired for you to do. And not only when I'm there, but also since I've been gone, you've actually done done better. You've grown. You're continuing to grow and obeying in the Lord. This is important. Uh, I grew up at camp, so at camp, you have a week of camp where kids come, and uh, they stay overnight all week long. Uh, when I was there, it was Sunday through Friday. Now it's Monday through Friday. Nonetheless, it doesn't matter. And so you you're stay at camp, and while you're there, the focal point is preaching. It is, uh, the way we did it is it was two weeks' worth of revival services done in one week's time. And so you've got, I think it was something like 18 services or something, I don't remember, uh, that, that the kids would sit through. When you are sitting under preaching, you are going to be helped by God. When you are listening to God's Word, when you're reading it for yourself, or when you're hearing someone else present it, you're going to be helped if you're paying attention. And so so these kids sit in for a week of camp, and God just hits on their heart, convicts them, challenges them. Some that are lost and need to be saved, they see their need for that salvation, and they accept Christ as their Savior. Others who are saved but not living for God are being challenged throughout the week to live for God. So by the end of the week, they go home and they are excited to go on and serving God. You have others who are already living for God faithfully and they get challenged maybe to do more, maybe called to ministry, maybe uh, called to go reach uh, spe- specifically someone in their lives that they've not been sharing the gospel with. Whatever it is, it's that constant challenging throughout the week because of that constant preaching. Then they go home. And they go back to one, two, maybe three services a week. So they've got Sunday services, then they got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday all day, and they go to church Wednesday night, and then they got Thursday, Friday, Saturday no church. And what you find is typically, not always, thankfully, but a lot of times, a kid who is on fire for God after a week of of consistent preaching, after a month or two or three they kind of regress to the mean, go back to where they were before. And uh, sadly, but the reason why that is is because there's not that constant focus on God's word and you have all the distractions. When you're at camp, you don't have the distractions. You don't have TV, you don't have your cell phone, uh, you don't have some of your friends, you don't have different things like that. So it's that, that focus time. And, and here, oftentimes, what you'll find is is people who are... Um, more obedient to Christ following a week of camp, you give them a couple months and they're right back to where they were. And the reason why that is is because they don't stay faithful in that consistent Bible and learning. But here uh, Paul says, I was with you, I was teaching you, I was training you, and you were obedient. But now that I've been gone, you've stayed and even more so now you're obedient. These people didn't regress to the mean. They stayed faithful, and they continued to obey God, and they continued to be what they were supposed to be as Christians. You are responsible in your life for how you obey God. You have to be active in your Christianity. You have to be to the point where you don't need someone else to be um, pestering you, challenging you, uh, telling you. Now, we all need to learn. I'm not saying there's never a time in our lives where we go, well, I don't need a pastor anymore, or I don't need uh, a preacher anymore, I don't need someone to proclaim the Bible to me anymore. We don't ever get to that point in our lives, but we, we should not be dependent solely on Sunday service for us to get us through our, our Christian life, our growth in our Christian life, because we are supposed to be active in our Christianity, faithfully reading, faithfully studying, faithfully listening to God's Word. At the end of verse 12 comes a, sometimes can be confusing verse, because it says at the end of verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling now if you've been here for any services you know without a shadow of a doubt that we do not believe that you can be saved on your own power and your own merit you cannot work your salvation meaning you cannot earn your salvation it's not the way that god has set it up it's not the way that it works in ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 it says for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god verse 9 says not of works lest any man should boast. The Bible is truth. And because the Bible is truth, the Bible cannot contradict itself. So I want to clarify and do my best to help you with this this morning, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, so we're going to go through it quickly, and I'm happy to talk about it later if you would like to. But in Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, the Bible says salvation is by grace through faith and not of yourselves, not of works. Why? Because then you'll boast of it. You'll get to heaven, and you'll meet Peter, and you'll say, Peter, guess how I got here? I did this, and I did that, and I did this. You know what? It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God. Salvation is not done through on our own. And so in this passage, if you study it out, and you read it in context of what's going on here and talking to the church as Paul is, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's a focus on yourself. Sometimes we get so caught up in other people that we fail to focus in on ourselves. I know people who have worked in church, who have went to Bible college, who have served in ministry that never took care of their own faith. And they came to the realization one day that, you know what, I've been telling people how to be saved, yet I've never been saved myself. Yeah, I prayed a prayer when I was a kid, but at that time, I I was just, praying the prayer that my pastor told me to pray or that my Sunday school teacher told me to pray or that I knew it was something that was good and that was right, but I never actually put my faith in Christ. You see, Paul's reminding here the people in the church of Philippi, make sure that you have yourself where you're supposed to be. It's not work for your salvation, it's it's confirm uh, that you are saved. It's that Make sure that you're working out your salvation through fear and trembling, that you are respectful reverence, that you are learning, that you're growing, that you understand, am I saved? Not, not have I saved myself, but have I truly been saved? We have to remember because, again, if you take one verse in Scripture, you can make it say whatever you want it to say. So please make sure that when you're reading Scripture, you read it in context and you ask questions if you don't understand. Because I know many people who have said, well, this verse says that you're supposed to work out your salvation. So you say all you have to do is have faith in Christ and put your dependence in Christ to save you. Well, well, I believe that you have to do that, plus you have to go to church, plus you have to say this prayer every day, or plus you have to confess this to the, this person every day, or plus you have to do whatever. The Bible is very clear. The salvation is a gift from God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish and have everlasting life. It doesn't say that whosoever believeth in him and goes to the church. Not, that doesn't say that whosoever believeth in him and gives money to a good organization. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say that. It says whosoever believeth in him. The Bible says whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the Bible is very clear on what salvation is and how we, um, if I can use the term, get saved. So in this passage, Paul is saying, you've been obedient, now continue. Uh, uh, Have that assurance, know that you are saved, and now that you are saved, live life like you are saved. Continue now, have that active Christianity where you're living life like you are saved. If you are saved, you should live like it. It says in verse 13 for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure If you're going to be an active Christian, you have to be obedient to what God has told you to do If God is working his will in your life be a part of it Don't fight it. Don't go against it. Don't push against it follow it and go with it number two We need to have a cheerful obedience number one we need to have an active christianity number two a cheerful obedience look in verse 14 do things without murmurings do things without murmurings do what things do all things without murmurings so you see here we should have a cheerful obedience if you have children or if you were once a child i would assume you were Uh, If you were once a child, for some it was longer ago than others, but uh, if you were once a child, you've been told to do something and you've murmured while you were doing it. Your parents said, go clean your room. You walked down the hallway to your room murmuring the whole time. You were cleaning your room murmuring the whole time. It was not a cheerful obedience. It was obedience to some degree, sure, but it was not a cheerful obedience, it was murmuring. So let's think about the things of Christ. Think about the things things that God's told you to do in your life. Then, how are you doing them? God says, go to church. I'm here. Cheerful obedience. God says, share the gospel with those around you. Well, God doesn't know what I've had to put up with with these co-workers. Hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. Well, I obeyed. Gave them a track. Cheerful obedience. My children, we work on this on a consistent basis. Cheerful obedience in the home. How about cheerful obedience to God? Do all things. So not not just the things of God, but all things without murmuring, a cheerful obedience. Isn't it funny how we like to ridicule children or other people for their downcomings and their um, uh, unwillingness to be cheerfully obedient at times, but yet with God we are the same way? Listen, I'm not going to lie. There are times where I don't want to come to church and I'm the pastor. There are mornings that I wake up and think, if I wasn't the pastor, I would not go to church today. I'm guilty of that. The point is, though, is God says, you're supposed to be cheerful in your obedience. The Bible talks about giving, and the Bible says that the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. So oftentimes we work hard to earn our money, and so when God says, I want you to give it for a cause, for a purpose, whatever, whether it be your regular tithes or other offerings, whatever it is, we go, God, I had to work overtime for this. God, I had to put up with people because, for this. I had to do this. I had to do that. I worked hard and I need this money for, for this purpose and for this cause. Why are you telling me to do this? And we stick our money in the plate and we watch it as it goes by and goes to the next person and we just kind of long to see it back in our wallets. You see, God, as he talks about many times throughout scripture, but it's not about the action. It's about the heart. As a pastor, I like it when we have good offerings because I know that we can pay the bills. So I see people give. I say I see, I don't watch. But I see people give, and I'm excited because I know the Lord's providing for us to pay our bills. But God doesn't look down and go, oh, wow, they gave a 20 this week? Boy, that's impressive. You know what God loves? It's a cheerful giver. Someone who's excited to give to God. Why? Because God loves it when his children obey. He also loves to reward them. If you give, God will give to you. I'm not, it's not like a share this five times on Facebook and you will become a millionaire thing. But it's God's provision and God provides. And he watches as you faithfully give. God faithfully provides. And it keeps on happening. We need to have a cheerful obedience. Then at the end of verse 14, we see number three. We need to have... Peaceful neighbors. We need to be peaceful neighbors. In verse 14, it says, do all things without murmurings and disputings. We need to be peaceful neighbors. At church, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You've heard that term before, right? Christians here, if we sit in the building, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, I don't know if you have brothers or sisters. I have a sister. It wasn't always peaceful. Now, She would argue this, but she picked on me. I wasn't allowed to defend myself because she was a girl. So she could sit on top of me and pinch me and pull my hair and and hit me. And if I did anything back, all of a sudden it was, Dad, Vince hit me. Well, you didn't see the ten minutes of torture that I just went through. We shouldn't treat our brothers and sisters in Christ like that. We ought to be peaceful without disputings. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Those that we work with, those that we live around, those that are in our our families, we ought to do all things without disputings. We ought to be peaceful neighbors. How can we love our neighbor if we're fighting with them? How can we love our neighbor if we're yelling at them? How can we love our neighbor if we say, if you do this, then you're the worst human being in the world? we can't. We have to be peaceful. So today's society tells us you need to get your opinion out there for everybody to hear. We do it through social media and uh, all kinds of avenues now. The Bible talks about uh, the, the, the fool who keepeth his tongue is considered wise. The person who keeps his mouth shut is oftentimes considered smart. I do this thing, I shouldn't tell you because I can't do it anymore, but I do this thing sometimes with people because in my family we like to make fun of each other and, you know, little zingers and things like that. We used to sit in the living room, my mom, my dad, me, and my sister, and we would make fun of each other until someone couldn't defend themselves and then we'd all pile on that person. So, you know, I'd say something to dad, dad would say something to mom, mom would say something to my sister, and then we'd all turn on my sister because she didn't have a comeback. And so uh, that's just, that was the fun that we had growing up. And uh, so those kinds of things. So I learned in life if I don't have a good comeback, I just kind of shake my head and smile and say, I shouldn't say that. That's not going to be very nice. And then they think I have something witty to say, and I had nothing to say at all. So, so I started doing that in life, you know, and, and, uh, and kind of getting to that point where, you know, I kept my mouth shut to a degree, and they thought I had something smart to say, and I had nothing at all. We have this... <laughs> that'll preach, right? No, no, wait, no, that's... Um, we have this thing where someone says something on social media and we think well they need to know my opinion I'm not saying that you shouldn't be on social media I think there are positive things to it I'm on social media the point is, is do you say things knowing it's going to cause disputings, arguments, fights well if you do stop it let all things be done without murmuring and disputings be a peaceful neighbor don't be the problem Be the solution. Be the one when the other neighbor's going off, going off, going off, that you just sit there and smile and nod or not smile, depending on what they're saying, and and, uh, let it roll off your back and go on to the next thing. Be a peaceful neighbor. Number four, have a blameless lifestyle. Look in verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world have a blameless lifestyle. We've talked a lot about this recently, so we won't spend much time on it. Live a life that people look at you and they can't go, well, that person does this. Well, that person does this. Well, that person did this. That person said this. Live a lifestyle that when they look at you from the outside looking in, when they look at you, they say, you know what? That person's a good person. That person loves other people. That person's kind to everyone. That person speaks respectfully of authority. That person uh, does not join in as we all mock our boss or whoever. Live a life that is blameless. He says here, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. He says, and this is written a while ago, it says the nation that you live in is crooked and perverse. It's a it's a bad society. It's an ungodly society. It's a wicked society yet even still live a life that is blameless. You remember Noah. When the world looked at Noah, they saw him as blameless. God looked at Noah, and he looked at the world, and he, he said, this, this world that I've created is wicked, it is perverse, it is nasty, and I need to destroy it. And he saw Noah, and Noah had grace in the eyes of the Lord in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because Noah lived a life that was blameless. He wasn't perfect. No human is. But he was blameless. He lived a life that was characterized by godliness. We ought to be that way too. It doesn't matter what the world is around us. We can't be like the kid who says, well, everyone else is doing it. God doesn't care. Just like you don't care when your kid says that to you. Everybody else is doing it. I don't care. God's the same way. He says, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I've told you to be obedient. I've told you to be pure. I've told you to be righteous. I've told you to be blameless. We need to have an active Christianity, a cheerful obedience, peaceful, be peaceful neighbors, live a blameless lifestyle. Number five, have a visible testimony. It's not enough just to be good. We need to be godly. It's not enough just to be good. We need to speak of God. We need to have a visible testimony. Again, in verse 15, it says, Among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that, you may, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So the people who say, it doesn't matter how I live because I'm saved, so I'm going to heaven, what does it matter? It matters a lot because the Bible talks about it in James, and he talks about it here. He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven, that you might be a living, visible testimony of God. That when people see you, they see what Christianity is supposed to be. I've seen the, um, the bumper sticker, and maybe you have too, it says... Um, I don't mind your God, but I don't like your Christians. You see, and it says, I think, something like, because your Christians are nothing like your God. The reality is, is our lives are supposed to be a visible testimony of who God is and what God's done in our lives. Has God saved you? If he has, then what people see of you should be the fact that you've been saved by God. That now you live for, you serve a living and true God that can do things in ways that no one or no thing can. Yet we live our lives in fear. Yet we live our lives in worry. Yet we live our lives in stress. Yet we live our lives in hate. Yet we live our lives in bitterness. We're not a visible testimony of what God has done in our lives. He says here in verse 15, yes, you live in a crooked and perverse nation. Among that nation, you should be as a light shining, a shine as light in the world. It's a dark world. We have the light, right? It's a dark world, but we have the light. And when the world is at its darkest is when the light can shine the brightest. We keep begging or hoping or wishing that the, that the country gets better, but I continue to tell you, the darker our country gets, the brighter God can shine within our country. I'm not saying vote for darkness. What I'm saying is, is understand that just because if, we don't get, if you don't get what you voted for, understand God's going to be just fine without it. What I'm saying is, is that you are still required or still uh, asked upon, still commanded by God to be a light that shines in the dark world. That those in that dark world can see your good work, can see your lifestyle, and through your life can see the Father which is in heaven. Because if you treat your boss with respect, someone will, will eventually ask you, why are you, being so, why are you being so nice to him? He's being so mean to us. How are you not angry that they didn't pay out this? Or how are you a- not angry that they didn't give us that time off? Or how are you not angry that they're making us do this? You know what? God tells me I'm supposed to respect my authority. And he's my authority, or she's my authority, so I'm going to be respectful of him. Hey, why don't you uh, uh, share jokes when we're telling jokes? Well, because my jokes are corny and not dirty, and you wouldn't like them. Because God's told me not to say those things, so I can't. You know what I found is that in this dark world, there's a lot of trouble and chaos going on, and our coworkers or our neighbors or our family members are going through some things. And if you'll just give them a phone call or a text message or take a moment out of your day to say, hey, you doing all right? I know you're going through some things right now. I want to let you know I'm praying for you. Is there anything I can do to help? You know what the rest of your coworkers more than likely are doing? Most of them at least. They're comparing their problems with this person's problems. So when they sit in a room together, instead of saying, how can I help you go through this hardship in your life? They're telling you, yeah, you think you got it hard? Well, I've got this going on in my life. Or they're doing even worse. They're piling on. Yeah, you're going through this because you did this and this and this. I told you you should have done this. I don't know why you didn't. You see, just living a visible testimony allows the world to see the God that we supposedly serve. Active Christianity, cheerful obedience, peaceful neighbors, blameless lifestyle, visible testimony. Number six, a worthwhile labor. Look in verse 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Anytime you work in ministry and oftentimes anytime you're working with people, you're going to find this. You, You invest into people and sometimes it doesn't turn out the way you hoped it would. As a pastor, I've seen it over and over and over again. You invest, you invest, you invest, and then that person either gets angry or they just leave for other reasons and they're gone. And you put a lot of time and effort into a person and now all of a sudden you're sitting there going, what was it for? Why did I waste my time? And it can discourage you to the point where you say, I'm not going to invest in anybody anymore. You might have a coworker where you say, I'm going to put time into them. Lord, help me. And, and you start investing and you start taking time out of your day. You invite them over to eat, you... You take them things, you, you buy books for them, you, you do different things, and, and they still reject. <clears throat> the next thing you know, they won't talk to you anymore. You sit there and you go, Lord, I, I poured my heart out to them. I gave, I sacrificed for them. And, and for what? Was it for nothing? Paul says, holding forth to the word of life, continue to do that, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, that the, the, the work that I've put in... Listen, if I'm your pastor, there is going to come a time, if it hasn't already happened, that I'm going to do something that you're not going to be happy about. And a lot of times what we can do, especially in America, because we have, we have options, <laughs> we don't say anything, We just pack up and leave. And a lot of times, and I've heard this from other pastors as well, we're left standing there going, "Well, what happened?" And we'll ask, and they'll tell us something, and we think, "Well, that's strange. Why would you leave over that?" And typically, there's something else involved and a deeper purpose and a deeper reason. It's typically something that I did, and and I was either didn't know I did it or when I did it, I didn't realize it was a problem. And so you sit there and you go, what in the world? Paul here says, you just keep holding forth to the word. You just keep doing right. Because if you do that, then no matter how much work I put in, no matter how much sacrifice I give, it's, I know it hasn't been for nothing if you'll stay faithful to the word of life, if you'll stay faithful to the gospel, if you'll stay faithful to God. I love pastors who have the philosophy, if someone leaves their church, they help them, Give them a list of other churches that are good churches. So they say, all I care about is that you're in church, that you're doing what God wants you to do. We have a tendency to want to hang on to people, especially the smaller of the church. Don't want to lose anybody, right? Listen, it'll be worthwhile to labor if those who you're laboring for stay faithful. So for any person who's invested in your life with the gospel, With God's word, may I encourage you to make sure it's a worthwhile labor. Stay faithful. Lastly, we're out of time this morning. Have a willing sacrifice. Verse 17, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. Be a willing sacrifice. Paul said, hey, if, if I have to sacrifice for you all, I'm happy to do it. Hey, if I have to sacrifice... And, and, and serve uh, because uh, to help you receive faith, to help you learn, to help you grow, it's, it's all good. I'm, I'm all for it. I can die now if you've learned and grown in Jesus Christ. When we go back and look at the, the worthwhile labor, I'll tell you, if you're the one laboring, if you're the one putting in the effort, if you're the one uh, uh, putting in the investment, you will, you will feel this way. I hope that you do at least no matter what comes upon me, as long as I've been able to invest and they've been able to receive, they've been able to grow. There are missionary stories upon missionary stories of missionaries who had to leave the field because of health reasons or they died on the field. And I tell you, I don't think any of them uh, um, regret the time that they spent there. As they watch the churches that they helped start continue to grow and start other churches and people being trained and, and sent out and and reaching other parts of the country or the world, there's not regret in that. They don't go, boy, I wasted my life. Have you ever heard someone talk about, you know, I've lived my life and life's about over and I just feel like I've wasted it. If you're faithful in serving God, it'll be a willing sacrifice, any sacrifice that you make. Paul here reminds us, live an active Christianity, have a cheerful obedience, be a peaceful neighbor, Live a blameless lifestyle have a visible testimony have a worthwhile labor and be a willing sacrifice lord I pray for your help this morning as we seek to live for you as we seek to be what you want us to be as a church as individuals God, I pray that you would help us to grow into exactly what you want us to be That would be constantly learning and growing God that we would be active in our Christianity That would be cheerfully obedient to you God that we would truly be a peaceful neighbor Live a life that is blameless. Live a life that is visible of your working in our life. And God, that we would have a worthwhile labor and a willing sacrifice. God, we can't do any of that without you. So God, we pray for your help. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to ask you this before we stand. Are you living the Christian life the way that God intends for you to live it? If you're not, today is the day to change that. Today's the day to say, God, whatever you want from me, I will do. Lord, I will live the way that you want me to live. Maybe there's someone here today who would say, you know what? I'm not living for God, but the truth is it's because God is not my Savior. God is not my Father. I've never at any point in my life put my faith in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if I were to die today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. The Bible teaches us clearly how we can know that. And I'd encourage you this morning to ask get the answer so that you can know for certain that heaven is your home that Jesus is your Savior would you stand with me please heads are bowed eyes are closed if the Lord spoke to you about something today I want to encourage you to pray about it you can do it at your seat you can come to the front if you'd like but I want to encourage you to take some time this morning to pray about it if you say uh, if you're here this morning you say I don't know that I'm saved I, I don't know that Jesus is my Savior and I would sure like to know feel free just to come to the front I'll come down I'll turn the microphone off I'll come down and talk with you and share with you from the Bible how you can know for certain Jesus is your Savior. The piano's going to play. I'm going to be quiet. We'll give you this moment to deal with between you and the Lord. thank you for your word and what we can learn from it. And I pray today we would truly apply the things that you've taught us today to our lives and to our heart. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to have to ask the ushers to come, please. Jason's going to come as well. And uh, we'll take up a love offering for the Zarellas. So everything that comes in here, so use the empty plates if you would. Everything that comes in this offering goes to the Zarellas. If you're writing a check, please write it out to the church, Bible Pathway Baptist Church. And we will write out one check to the Zarellas. And uh, and we want to thank them for coming and try to encourage them as they continue to raise support and head on their way to Japan. We're gonna sing. What are we singing? Uh, 159. Blessed, One, be blessed be the name. 159. If you need just the first verse, you guys can go ahead and pass the plates, and then once the offering's done, we'll be dismissed. All oh, praise to heaven.